morning. You can have a seat. Good morning. Good morning. What do you want? What do you want? It's kind of a multifaceted question. Uh, I grew up in a bygone era called the 90s. And uh, students in there just hang in with me for a second. Uh, if you wanted to reach me and I was at my house, you had to, uh, there was a device we had that was screwed to a wall. And it had a number, 603-435, you know? My parents still have that number. I thought about, I gave it out in the first service, we don't record that. So if you want to talk to my parents. Uh, and you had to call that number, right? And it, it, this thing rang, rang called a phone, all right? A landline, all right? Now, I, I know, just think about that for a second. Like, if you want to get a hold of me, I didn't have, you didn't just tip, click on my name, right? My whole family had a number, and you had to call that number. And, you know, I had a big family. It was just kind of like a free-for-all chaos of who would pick up the phone. So my parents had to teach us this thing called phone etiquette, okay? And uh, I remember my tagline was, was, what do you want? Right? When I would pick up the phone. It's pretty direct, right? I thought, you know, this is work. Great. Like, we just cut to the chase. Like, do you want to talk to me? you want to talk to Jen? you want to talk to my dad? Like, what do you want? Like, right? Uh, <clears throat> as I got older and ended up working, like, at a, a credit union, I realized, like, answering the phone, like, what do you want? Not the best phone etiquette, all right? But that question, though, what do you want? It's a weird question, right? Like, it can, you know, on the one hand, be rude. What do you want? Right? On the other hand can be one of the most difficult questions we have to face. What do we want? What do we really want? Uh, there's this dystopian kind of like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind meets the road uh, type film called Stalker. The director is Andre Tarkovsky and uh, I haven't seen the film but the film follows three characters around. There's stalker, professor, and writer. It's a weird movie, I hear, but the whole point of the movie is stalker is trying to lead the professor and the writer to this place called the zone, right? And in the zone, there's a room, all right? And when you get to the room, your desires appear. What you want, poof, just in the flesh, there it is. So they've been working this whole movie to get to the room, and when they get there, they're about to open the door, they're about to go in, and they pause. And they turn and ask Stalker, wait, so is this like what we think we want, or is this what we really want? Stalker says, it's what you really want. Spoiler alert, they don't go in the room. Because what do we really want. All right? What do we want when we stress eat? When we've just had a day that's so hard, so stressful, we just catch ourselves like, oh, wait, I think I had that day last week, right? I had a long day. I love deli meat, delicatessence, I don't know, whatever, uh, cold cuts, and we had some in the fridge, and I just like stuck my head in so my wife couldn't see me, and I'm just like, oh, all right? And I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm eating a lot of cold-cut black forest ham. I think I'm stress eating. What do I want when I do that? 
What do we want when we check our work email at the dinner table? What do we want? What do we want when we're a stay-at-home parent and we don't feel seen? What do we really want? We are creatures of desire. You can't turn it off. All right? And if you need an old source saying that, John Calvin once said, the human heart produces desire like a fire produces heat. We want things. We desire things. How do we know what we want? And what do we do with what we want? How do we know what we want in the first place, right? Like what we want may not be what we think we want, right? Like when we stress eat, it's like, I just want some relief. Is that really what we want? When we check our work email, instead of like paying attention to being present with people that we've said, hey, we're going to do life together, what do we want? Right? Our desires, or, or, you know, as when we want to be seen, what do we really want? Our desires are tricky. They're confusing. Just to figure out what we want is tricky and confusing. And then to actually know what to do with what we want is tricky and confusing. Today kicks off Holy Week. Christians all around the world are celebrating Holy Week. My favorite time of year. Love, love Holy Week. You guys all see me being like a Grinch around Christmas. I am not a Grinch around Holy Week. Love Holy Week. All right? I love Holy Week because for around where we're all focused on the same thing. We're all thinking that, hey, let's all meditate and ponder the same story. The story that we're going to meditate today, meditate on, think about, is, is called the triumphal entry. Jesus hops on a donkey and rides into Jerusalem. And people, kids like we saw, adults, people are waving palm branches. They're putting their jackets on the ground. They're saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Palm Sunday. That's what we're celebrating today. Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry, fundamentally is a clash of desires. Palm Sunday invited the original audience and it invites us into a space where we ask, what do we want? What do we want? How do we know what we want? And what does Jesus and his kingdom have to do with what we really want? We're going to be in Matthew's gospel, and Matthew, throughout his gospel, has been making this case. Jesus is going around saying, he's the king. The king is here. He's teaching about the kingdom of God, right? Remember, he's born, Matthew opens, he's born in Bethlehem. Why was he born in Bethlehem? That's where David was born. He's a new David. He goes around, his first words are, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. He's teaching about the kingdom. And folks did not get it. Like, what? And finally, that culminates to, I'm headed toward Jerusalem. I'm headed to to the capital, right? I'm headed to like, I've been doing small shows and little clubs in the countryside. Now we're headed to the arena. We're headed to the arena in the city. All right, we're going to D.C. We're going downtown, baby. We're taking this show to the capital. And he's met with desires. People wanted him to do something. He's met with desires. And we see a clash of desires. But it's not what we would expect a clash of desires to look like. I'm going to say something wildly controversial. All right? So just hang on with me for a second. What we learn from this clash of desires is that God affirms our desires. And he redirects many of them. 
So what we see is they desire something. These people desire, hey, we want a king. There's oppression here. Free us. Rescue us. Save us. Right? If you've heard uh, Palm Sunday service sermons in the past, you may hear something like, these people just wanted them to overthrow Rome. Poof. That was so silly of them. They missed the point. And because there is a Putin in the world, we now pause a little bit when we look down our noses. Oh, can you believe they wanted to be liberated from their oppressors? Oh, we're like, oh, I, I, I don't get it, but I get it on a level. There was injustice. There was oppression. It wasn't like the Roman Empire was handing out surveys like, tell us how we can improve. Like, we're really here to learn. They did not care. All right? They were bad news bears. They didn't care about your feelings. All right? And they're saying, like, free us. Rescue us. There's been this long way to Messiah. Please. And Jesus, you know what he doesn't do? I hear that desire. Turn it down. Wrong desire. Stop having desires. Mm-mm. We're doing something else here. What he does, though, is he redirects that good desire. The triumphal entry is fundamentally about Jesus saying, you want to be free? You want to be rescued? I want that even more than you do. Like, that's a good desire. My problem is not that you desire it. My problem is you don't want it enough. I'm coming to take on the real enemy here. I'm coming on to, like, we're going to deal with Rome. We are going to deal with it. We are going to overthrow war. We're going to overthrow oppression. There is coming a day when they will beat their swords into plowshares. That is coming. That's my second coming. We got to deal with a bigger problem first. This clash of desires. Creatures of desires meet the one who ultimately is the fulfillment of those desires. And the question that the triumphal entry asks of us is, are we willing to let our desires get redirected. When we stress eat, when we check our work email when we're supposed to be with our family and we feel guilty about that, and when we who don't feel seen say, I want to be seen, we underneath that, yes, it may be tainted by the, the flesh, maybe tainted by sin, but underneath those desires are good things. And the question is, will we trust God with those desires? That's what Palm Sunday is all about. The question Palm Sunday asks us is, what's keeping us from picking up our cross and following after Jesus? Are we willing to let him redirect our desires to a place that doesn't always make sense. You're going to free us. Why are you dying? Like, what's happening? This king does things differently. And the question that it asks all of us is, what's keeping us from taking up our cross and following him on his way to the cross? Holy Week starts with a triumphal entry. This Friday, come back. We're going to celebrate Good Friday. Leads to a cross. Where that king, who they said, hey, throw over, th just flip over the table, like, come on, set us free, doesn't kill anybody. He himself dies. That's where this triumphal entry leads. So if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Matthew 21. What's keeping us from picking up our cross and following this king there? Matthew 21. 
If you don't have a Bible, those maroon seatback Bibles, it's on page 1503. And just to let you know, we love running around and filling those up if you take it. So take it with you. 1503 on the maroon seatback Bibles, Matthew chapter 21. And if you would, please stand with me as we read God's word. This is Matthew chapter 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, this part is really crucial, on the Mount of Olives. All right, I'll just say it again. Bethpage, on the Mount of Olives. Just remember that for later. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anybody questions why you're stealing their donkey, say, the Lord needs them, and he'll send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heavens! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who's this? The crowds entered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we need help redirecting our desires, and it's hard. God, to place our kids in your hands, to place our education in your hands, our future, our, our disease, our sickness, to place our life in your hands is easy to say, hard to do. How do we do that, God? God, help us see the invitation from Jesus' triumphal entry and help us to, with new eyes, see what your Son is inviting us into and follow Him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. As we kind of talk about uh, the triumphal entry, remember, this kicks off Holy Week. So Jesus, throughout God, uh, the, the Gospel of Matthew, has been working His way toward Jerusalem. All right? He's been able to, like, build up a following in Galilee. He's like, people are like, wow, this guy's awesome. And he's headed into Jerusalem now. This is kind of like the clash. This is what we've been working toward. All right? And we miss a lot of the amazing details because like the Bible, we just don't really understand the original context. So we're going to play a game to help us understand the original context a little bit here. Okay? So I'm going to show you in a second some skylines, like of cities. Skylines of cities. If you know it, shout it out. Uh, there are wrong answers, but this is a very gracious place to say wrong answers. So don't worry. But if you know what it is, just shout it out, okay? So this, what is this city skyline right here? So confident. Love it. Totally right, okay? There's not, there's a couple trick ones in here, but that was awesome, all right? So well done, okay? It's not Vegas. It's Seattle. What's this one? Man, I can't get anything by you guys. I'm getting a little nervous. I'm getting a little nervous. Okay, it's going to get a little tricky, though. All right, let's hang in there. What's this? Oh, I like it. Little pause, but still coming in, coming in hot. All right, now here we go. 
London is a great guess. I heard it, I heard it over here. Singapore. Singapore. Yeah, Singapore. Okay, this one may be the trickiest one of all now, okay? What's this? This is the bustling metropolis of Columbia, Missouri. That's right, yes. Uh, all right, so skylines are important to cities. If you've ever lived in a large city, like, you know that the skylines represent, like, just a, a place of pride, right? So the Golden Gate Bridge mm, says a lot about who we are. The Statue of Liberty, right? Oh, man, that's my spot. That's, that's, that's my stomping grounds. That's my hometown. Jerusalem had a skyline as well. And to the east of Jerusalem, their skyline was made up, still is made up of, the Mount of Olives. So I, I got turned around in the first service. Is this way east? So to the east, if you're in Jerusalem and you look east, you see the Mount of Olives. That has both like geographical significance, but also cultural significance, okay? Because on the Mount of Olives comes the Messiah. When Messiah touches down on earth, he's going to come through via the Mount of Olives. So in Matthew 21... Uh, starting in verse 1, it says, As they, that's Jesus and his disciples, approached Jerusalem, right? That's the D.C. That's like, that's where it's all going to go down. And came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. All right? Jesus is being really intentional, even how he heads into Jerusalem. He is making a statement. He's saying, your king has come. Remember, that's the desire of these people. They're under oppression. All right? They're under, the, they're under Roman occupation. They, they, they're like, we're home, but we're still in exile. And the Old Testament prophets, they're thinking through the lens of like these, this audience. They're thinking through Psalm 2, right? Come and crush our enemies. They're thinking through Daniel 2. And they're like, come on, come do this. And Jesus, throughout his kingdom, is like, the kingdom's here. They're like, great. Now we're going to start to see some skulls get bashed in. The school bully's going to get bullied. Hooray! And it doesn't happen. And they're like, what? I don't, I don't like this. What's going on here? There's these constant misunderstandings about what Jesus is doing as he brings the kingdom. But make no mistake, he, is, he understands he is bringing the kingdom. Uh, if anyone in here has had the joy of raising children, though in my opinion, all right, my humble, my view from the cheap seats, the greatest children's books out there are Elephant and Piggy, by the author Mo Willems, okay? These books are phenomenal. The artwork is so simple. The words are simple. Sometimes you read these kids' stories, and it's just like this, they're meandering all over the road. You're like, wait, we were talking about a bunny. Now there's a helicopter. Like, what's happening? It's just elephant and piggy, to the point, great writing, genius, simple, wonderful. Well, Mo Willems has another kid's story. It's called Goldilocks and the Three Dinosaurs. Is anyone familiar with Goldilocks and the Three Dinosaurs? It's great. It's wonderful. Basically, the premise of it is it's telling the story like it's Goldilocks and the Three Bears, but she accidentally goes into the wrong house, and there's three dinosaurs who have set a trap, and they want to eat her. And so Goldilocks is kind of going throughout, you know, this chair's, I don't like this chair, I don't like, oh, I like this chair, oh, you know, I don't like this, I like, oh, I like this. And then she realizes, like, oh, all the chairs are all too big. All the beds are all too big. And she realizes, oh, my goodness, I'm in a dinosaur's house. And she stops, and she runs out of the house. And Mo Willems gives some of the greatest wisdom. I mean, this is just a, a mantra for your life, it could be, right? If you ever find yourself in the wrong story, leave. She thought she was in Goldilocks and Three Bears. She was not. She was in Goldilocks and Three Dinosaurs. In Goldilocks and Three Dinosaurs, she gets eaten. She didn't want to live in that story. So she left. 
That's exactly what's happening with Jesus at the triumphal entry. He finds himself in a story and he says, Mm-mm, I'm not participating in that story. He had such an understanding of God's will for the kingdom that when they came to him and said, hey, will you do it like this? Will you bring the kingdom like this? He says, no. And we get that from John's gospel. In John's gospel, John tells the story as, he tells the details a little differently. John chapter 12, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it to you. Same thing, the triumphal entry, that uh, the, the crowds come to Jesus, and in verse 13, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Palm branches, we know from like the Maccabean Revolution, that when you win a war, you run around with palm branches. I don't really get it either. I think it's kind of like, woohoo, like, you know, I associate palm branches with like a tropical paradise. It's like peace, like, woohoo, there's, nothing's on fire. Like, it's, we, we won. All right, it's a sign of victory, okay? So they come to him with palm branches. Do you hear that? And then this is what he says in verse 14. Jesus finds a donkey. Most commentators agree what happens is he sees the crowds coming to him saying, all right, we're here. Yeah, our king's coming. You're, you're like, we don't really know who you are. We've heard that this, there's this guy out in the country. He's doing miracles. He raised Lazarus. We like that. He's coming. Messiah's here. And the prophets told us to be ready. So we're ready. Here we go. And they come with palm trees. And so in response to that, Jesus found himself in the wrong story and leaves. He says, that's not what we're doing here. I'm not going to come with a war chariot. I'm not going to come with swords. I'm not going to come with an army. I'm going to come, what Matthew says in Matthew 21, I believe it's verse 4. Or excuse me, uh, it's, yeah, verse f- uh, 7. No, nope. hang on. Oh, right here, verse 5. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle or humble, is another word for that, humble, and riding on a donkey. He says, it like, hey, I'm still going to come as Messiah. I'm going to come through that skyline where Messiah touches down. I'm coming to rescue you, but I'm not coming the way you thought. It's the wrong story. Your desires, I'm not saying your desires are bad. I'm redirecting your desires, right? You want me to overthrow Rome. I want that too, all right? There is coming a day where God will come back and end oppression. There will be no more war. There will be no more tears. Amen? But before he did, that's called his second coming. Before he did that, he had his first coming where he's like, we're going to deal with a bigger problem. That's a real problem, but we've got to deal with a bigger problem first. Sin and separation from God. Notice what Matthew says in Matthew 21 about where Jesus goes. He comes, he comes into Jerusalem. He sees the crowds. They're saying all these things. In verse 11, they say he's a prophet, which is a big deal. And then in verse 12, where does he go? Temple. To the temple. The temple was the place where God and man dwelled together, where heaven and earth met and it wasn't ready for God to show up. There were money changers. And so he flips the temple, which is an authoritative thing to do. He's like, get out of here. All right? He's saying, we got to deal with God has come. We're going to dwell with God. We're going to fix the relationship. Sin is your biggest problem. And the, the, rela- the fix to that, Jesus is saying, I'm here to solve the biggest problem. So you want to be free. You want to be free, but here's the thing. I can overthrow Rome, and you still won't be free. I'm going to set you truly free. You really do desire good things. This is a good thing, all right? You want to overthrow injustice. Great. 
Let's really make sure we get the job done. Let's, re- let's, let's, let's rekindle this relationship. Let's unite people back to God. Then we'll talk about injustice. Then we'll talk about the oppression. But our biggest problem is not that we stress eat. If we go after that, let's fix that problem first. If we go after, man, like, let's fix the email problem. Let's fix the not being seen. We can do that. Those are problems, right? And there's different ways to meet people where they are. But ultimately, fundamentally, people have been isolated from God, and we're saying, hey, we can fix everything, but if we don't fix that, we haven't fixed much. And so Jesus is saying, you want to be free? I'm going to make you really, really free. He redirects their desires. He found himself living in a wrong story. These people wanted him to overthrow the government with violence. Okay, there's about 24 false messiahs, claimed would-be messiahs that arise around the time of Jesus. Okay, and they all were like, yep, grab your swords. Here we go. They all died. All right, and so they see him like, here we go. And the kingdom doesn't come like we expect it to doesn't come in a war chariot. It comes humble riding on a donkey in peace. Not with, hey, let's overthrow it, but in peace. That's not how we do things today. Does anyone know about, I just learned about this a couple weeks ago. Does anyone know what ratioing is? Some of you laugh because you know what it is. I, I'm embarrassed to me. I didn't know what this is. This is on social media when somebody will post something on social media. So somebody will make a claim, right? They'll say like, balloons are for idiots, Right? And then people don't like that claim, so they ratio the person. They, put, they have more negative comments. Uh, they'll put a negative comment underneath it, and that negative comment gets more traction than the original comment. Am I in the ballpark? Okay. So that ratioing, that's how we deal with toxicity today. Are you being toxic? Are you being unhelpful? Are you, I'm going to be more. You're coming at me with power I don't like. I'm going to come at you with more power. Jesus says, hey, you want to be free? You want to kill your enemies? I'm going to die. You get free through my death. I come humble, riding on a donkey. Peace. I'm not here to kill anyone. I'm here headed toward a cross. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we willing to follow him to that cross? Are we willing to have our desires, bring our desires to him? Hey, Jesus, I have this really strong desire. I want to be seen. Jesus, I have this desire. I want to be like just, I want to be really successful. Jesus, I have this desire. I want to be a great parent. I want to be, I want to be a great parent to my adult kids. I have all these desires. Are we willing to bring those desires and say, what does this look like in light of the cross? Those desires can be good things. The reason we stress eat it's because our bodies are telling us, like, not, not everything is well. There's, there's too much. We got to, this is like, we weren't made to live in this kind of chaos. We got to slow it down here. The reason we want to answer work emails is because we want to be helpful, right? We want to be, we want to do a good job, right? That's, that's, that's a good thing. The reason we want to be seen is because, like, hey, like, I was made for relationship. I was made to be around other people. All those are really good desires, And are we willing to take our desires and say, Jesus, what does this look like in your kingdom? You've wired me this way. Can I take my desires and just offer them to you? You can redirect this. That's scary. That's a hard question. Because 
Where is Jesus going? Remember, it's Holy Week. We're, we're just at Sunday. Where does Friday lead? A cross. To take our desires and to say, hey, God, I'm willing to let you redirect us, and I'll go wherever it goes. Just want to be with you. What we see is to head toward a cross, our own death. Theologians call that a cruciform life. And whether you're here and you've never met Jesus before or whether you've been following Jesus for years, that's the question. What's keeping me from following Jesus with a cross? What's keeping me from picking up my cross and saying, I'm willing to have my desires be redirected? I'm willing to just say, hey, this is, a, this is my desire. I, I long for this. I, I want this truly. I think this is what I really want. And you're king. Like, the, the audience that Jesus came to, they had Scripture, right? I mean, they're quoting Psalm 118. They're quoting Scripture to Him. They wanted good things. And Jesus said, are you willing to receive those good things not the way you expected it? Whew. Are we willing to let our expectations get adjusted? That's hard. It gets really well, uh, I, I love this, from uh, the silver chair, the character Jill, she meets Aslan for the first time, and he's uh, drinking by some water. And he invites her to drink with him. He says, are you thirsty, said the lion. I am dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I, could I, would you mind going away while I did? The lion answered this only by a look and a very loud growl. As Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized that she might as well ask the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. Will, will you promise not to, to do anything to me if I come? I make no promises, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now. Without noticing it, she had taken a step nearer. Do you eat girls? I have swallowed up girls and boys. Women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. I didn't say this as if it were boasting, nor as if it were sorry, nor as if it were angry. I just said it. I, I dare not come near you and drink then, Jill said. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream. There is no other stream, said the lion. The great Augustine, in the opening paragraph of his confessions, said this, Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. We are creatures of desire. You want things that's not bad. That's how you were made. That's what it means to be in the image of God. And getting those desires fulfilled means meeting a Savior who takes you to a cross. But don't miss two things about that cross. Thing number one, he goes first. He's not saying, go die and maybe I'll follow you. He said, I died. Follow me after I did it first for you. And look, nothing irks me more 
nothing irks me more than people who mix up the days of holy days, of holy week, right? So I hate it. I'm just, you know, a little offline here, but I hate it on Easter Sunday when people talk about the cross, Good Friday. Say, hey, that was Good Friday. This is about an empty tomb, right? So just give me a second. I'm not going to try to get, get away from Palm Sunday here, okay? There is a cross coming, but on the other side of that cross is resurrection. We die when we trust Jesus, and it's a death. We say, hey, look, not my will, but yours. That's hard. We take that. We have a death grip on our desires in our life, and to trust someone with that is a form of death. It's so hard. But we're not following someone who won't do something he wasn't first willing to. He's not asking us to do something that he's unwilling to do. He said, I went first. That crowd that was cheering for him later is cheering, crucify him. And I think he knows that. There are ways out. Do you remember in the garden, the night he's betrayed, Peter picks up a sword and he just starts swinging, right? And he's just, wham! And he hits the, the, the temple priest's servant. He knocks his ear off. What does Jesus say to him? He says, look, man, if I wanted to, my father's got a pretty big army. He went first. That's thing one. Thing two, Easter's coming. Those desires, when we let them die, what we experience about those desires is that they were too small. And look, I get it. You're like, no, no, I desire some pretty big things. I'm like, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. Please don't hear me minimize it. You're like, hey, look, I have lost loved ones. Yep, it's a good desire to be reunited. I I do not minimize that, all right? It's like this, though. And this is the faith that it takes to follow Jesus. When we meet somebody later on in their life, like, you know, uh, many people tell the story about Marlon Brando, that when he got old, he just like, totally let himself go, was like morbidly obese and just like a weird angry old man living up on Mulholland Drive. Like just a like wackadoodle dude. People would hang out with him and they'd say, man, Brando is a shell of who he used to be. We can see he's there, but he's a shell of the Brando we remember. Alright? When we trust Jesus with our desires, when we let him redirect them, we see that our desires now are a shell of what they could be. That it's, the problem is not that you want things. The problem is that we don't want enough. We don't want goodness. And Jesus is saying, hey, you want good things? I'm here to give you more than what you even want. And it's found in me. I could give you I could give you release from stress. You could have a retirement where you hit a certain age, you all of a sudden there's a magical no problems, no stress. You know, nobody needs anything from you that you can't give. You never have to stress eat again. I could give you a situation where you never have to check your email because everyone thinks you're super helpful and you can be present with everybody you're with. And I can give you a reality where everything you do gets seen. And it won't be enough. I'm going to give you me. So in just a moment, the band is going to play, and we're going to sit with the question, what's keeping me from picking up my cross and following Jesus? 
And if you're thinking, well, I've been a Christian a long time. I don't need to ask that question. What's keeping me from asking what's keeping me from picking up my cross and following Jesus? Is it fear? Is it uh, lack of control? What is keeping me? Is it a relationship? And we're just going to together sit with Jesus and say, Jesus, what is it? Show me. I sit here with open hands. Help me see. That's the first step. We're going to come back then, and we're going to give some follow-up. What could be the next step? But just for right now, the band's going to play, and as they play, just in your seats, sitting with Jesus, inviting him. What's keeping me from picking up my cross and following you? God, as you've been bringing things to mind, help us not to turn away. Lord, give us the strength and the courage to sit with you as we wrestle through our desires, as we wrestle through what it looks like to maybe give you control, as we wrestle with what it looks like to give you our careers, a relationship, our future, our shame, God, whatever those, those messages, those things that keep us, God, I pray that our prayer right now would be, God, God, I trust that you're good. Give me the grace to follow behind you. You went first. God, we want to experience resurrection power today. We want to experience what it's like when we lay our desires before you and you make us even more alive. God, we want to live in your kingdom. Thank you that you went first. And God, there really is no other stream. There's no other place we can go. Only you have the words of life. So Father, I pray that if there are people here who are tempted to look away, to, ah, this is hard. Give them grace, God. Give us all. We've all been there. We're all there, God. We're all wrestling with our desires. So Father, I pray that as people who wrestle with desires, we would meet the one whose name is desire. And God, we would find our hearts rest in you this morning. So God, as we sing about your goodness, God, I pray that we would experience that in new ways today. In Jesus' name. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscmc.com.